You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. It's Monday, May 30th, 2022. Happy Memorial Day, Christina Dennis. Oh, you too, Damon Frank. What a beautiful day that we're going to have. I am very, very great. excited. I know. It's did you have a nice <laughs> did you have a nice weekend? I did. I did have a nice weekend. Went out to do a little family movie, had some barbecue, which is always good. I did one of my favorite Memorial Day pastimes on Sunday, which is I barbecued a few racks of ribs. Sorry gotcha. to all you vegans out there. Oh. But uh yeah, it was fun. It was fun. What about you? Oh, it's been very relaxing and and a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And there's just something about the world, you know, um, well, United States, at least. I mean, this is a very important holiday. And I want to, you know, first say thank you to everyone who gave their life up for us to have our freedom. And that doesn't escape me. But there's something about the world that kind of relaxes a little bit on these three-day weekends. And I certainly really soak does. that up. I soak it up. It really does. It does. It does. And definitely, uh, we would like to say thank you to everyone that listens to this show that has served our country, and especially those people who have given that ultimate sacrifice. You know, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, Christina, that I have met that uh, are sober and mm -hmm. doing the deal in recovery that were in the military. That's a big, that's a big thing. And we've done some past shows on that about the changing climate of the U.S. military when they address addiction issues. So, so true. And, and just that support and that focus on mental health. You know, it's mm -hmm. great to see the changes that are happening. And I hope to see a lot more. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we've got a great show for you today. A lot of uh, a lot of really, really great stuff. We want to talk a little bit, uh, you know, just a little outline here, what we want to do. We want to talk a little bit about staying sober Yes. Uh, during Memorial Day, some tips. And then we want to, you know, jump into kind of a news headline about Steven Tyler and that unfortunate relapse that we all just heard about. Yes, absolutely. But before we do that, I want to remind everybody, please like, share, follow the show, T leave us a comment, tell somebody else about it and go over and join the Recovered Life community at recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. We have a discussion starting within 30 minutes that you can be part of right now. So don't miss it. Go over to recoveredlife.us and join the family. That's right. We've got that Recovered Life discussion coming up at 10 or 9 a.m. Pacific time today, all about planning your sober week where Christina and I go on as coaches and we go over with the community about our sober week. Great thing about those discussions, Christina, is they're just as much for us too, because we're in recovery, right? Like I think people so think that like, you know, Hey, it must be easy for you guys. You don't really have to have a program. You don't really have to do anything. Not so much. We have to Not have true. more of a program when we're involved in recovery at the level that we are. We do. We do. It's so important for me. And, you know, uh, perhaps I, I we've talked about this, too, as people who have long term sobriety, sometimes you'll feel like you fall into a leadership role. Not true there. I'm one of many and I am just doing the deal every day. So I love it. I'm glad that we have it. 
Well, let's dive into the show here, Christina. Yes. Uh, you know, we've got Memorial Day is upon us, and this is yeah. a time for a lot of people who got sober, let's just say at the beginning of the year or mm -hmm. in spring, right? Now right. this is maybe their first big three-day weekend. And there's a lot of trepidation that sometimes comes with that, with people staying sober, because this is a big drinking holiday for a lot of people. It sure is. And and even I was uh, reminiscing or at least thinking back, this is also a holiday that reminds me of times that I did get totally blasted. And so some of those feelings might be coming up for you too. You know, there are times where Memorial Day for me was about how much could I drink and how messed up could I get. And so I just remember thinking about that this weekend as we're on the show and we're talking about, wow, I remember looking forward to this holiday for the very fact that everybody else would be drinking and I could drink with them. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I think that makes this holiday a little different than other holidays is that it's kind of the kickoff point for the summer, right? It sure is. And so for a lot of people who are active, who are newly sober, they're trying out this Memorial Day for the first yes. time sober you know, they're going to be going, they've been maybe locked up there in a colder climate or mm -hmm. just because of work and life, you know, people haven't been able to get together. I know we got together yesterday with friends and family that we hadn't seen in months just because life is busy, right? Even though the weather is yeah. always fairly nice here in Southern California. But of course, this is a big drinking time. So for a lot of people, this is a transition into trying out what it's going to be like going out, going to a barbecue, going to a family or friend event where everybody's drinking and they're not. It's so true. And this may be perhaps the first time that you are participating with people that are not sober. And there's an expectation, like you said, it, there's a lot of weight that's put on this holiday to kick off the summer and to be free and, you know, footloose and all of those things. And it might be really, really hard for you. It's also one of those sneaky holidays, which is why I'm so glad that we're doing this show now, because we may take the effort and the time to think about, you know, Christmas or, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, the times that are traditional, we know around family, and we might miss this one. It is just as important to prepare yourself for a sober holiday as it is on any of the other holidays, because this is Absolutely. when the sneak this the sneaky stuff can come up and get you right. There's that watermelon, you know, that's maybe been spiked with vodka. It's time for vigilance. Absolutely. You know what people ask us always as coaches, like, hey, what do you see during this period of time? Like, what do you see as far as the warning signs, right? Or ways that you can prepare. And I wanted to kind of go over that a little bit because I think it's very, very important to really guard your physical sobriety. Look, yes. we're going to be talking about a relapse story that's been in the news lately that Christina and I want to talk about later on in this uh, episode uh, because it is, it you know, alcohol is cunning, baffling, powerful. And we also know that it's patient, 
right? Yes. And we're not, we're just talking about alcohol. We're not even talking about codependency, which is huge also in family events. That's where the, the, you know, the, the prescribed role happens where you come, you've always been that person and they yep. want you to be that person, right? So there's a lot of emotions that always come up with things like this. But I think the first thing that I always tell people regarding if you want to stay sober long-term, the first thing is you have to do a little spot check before mm. you head into a place that's going to have a lot of alcohol, family, friends, pressure, right? You yeah. want to be able to have what I call that Wi-Fi connection. Yes. Uh, really, you want to be aware. You know, that's the day that you want to do a little bit of extra time in the morning or before you go doing a little meditation, just getting in check with yourself and understanding, hey, you know what? This is where I'm at, especially in early sobriety, is to understand, hey, I'm an alcoholic. I can't drink like like my fellows, right? And right. know your warrant, like you always say, Christina, which I think would be number two on the list is know your triggers of warning signs. Yes, yes. As a codependent recovery expert, these are those sneaky little places where you're not expecting it that can show up and your family wants you to maintain that role. If you've been the scapegoat for years, they may want to talk about all the times that you messed up. You know, they may not understand that you're having emotions. They may say things like, well, you've been so good. You've done fine. Can't you just have one? You've, you've made it five months. Is that still a problem? And so these are things that you want to think about beforehand and have a game plan. Like you so aptly suggested, make sure your spiritual connection is taught, uh, is really strong during these times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think the third thing is, is to know your limits and take your take breaks as well, right? Yes. Have people, there are people typically in large groups, whether it's your significant other or a family member or a friend who knows your story, that's an ally for you. That so. if you feel that you're getting in trouble or you feel you're going down a wrong road, right? And things are starting to build up that you can go to and have a conversation or just simply, if you don't have that person, just take a time out and go for a little walk, go to your car, do whatever you need to do to get that connection back. Right. And have some goals in mind about what it is that you want to have happen at the event. Do you want to be connected with nature? Do you have options? Can you schedule a phone call, which is one of my favorite techniques, the sandwich call, where you call somebody that is also in recovery and you make a commitment to show up in a way that is aligned with your value system. And if it gets tough in the middle of the event, step away and take that phone call. You could even, and and you and I both know this after being around a long time, we're not calling us old, but we've been around yes, you a are, while. Christina. You're calling <laughs> is, me old. Is that there's also events that are in recovery. You know, there are barbecues that you can go to or places or a meeting if you happen to participate in a 12-step meeting. Have an idea of what your goal is to get out of the event. You know, for me, I remember when I first started doing this, I had a list of questions that I wanted to ask people. I went mm. to these events with an idea of I'm going to connect. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to get them talking about their favorite subject, them. And I am going to, you know, learn three new things about, you know, Aunt Judy and Uncle Mark and my cousin. And that really helped me. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I, I, I think back to uh, several situations where 
in early sobriety, you know, sometimes you're counting the minutes. You're not counting yes. the days, right? You're really counting the minutes. And that's the time that you have to really assess whether it's really best to be there or right. you come in and then you leave, right? But I think another tip that I think is good is really knowing when your next recovery call is. You talk about the sandwich call, which is good. But that could be a 12-step meeting that you're going to be going to that you already have planned into your schedule. It could be a call with a coach or a sponsor or something that you have lined up that you know when the next thing that you're going to do that's in recovery, it's in the front of your mind, right? Because I think a lot of times people go in and they get over their head, they get overwhelmed. But I mm -hmm. think if they know that this next thing is coming, I've found that that gives me some security. It's like, no, I'm sober right now. I'll be sober at four o'clock. I'll be sober tomorrow. Yes. Right. And it gives me some sort of consistency. It, it, you're so right. And also, you know, kind of understanding and, and I don't know if this is helpful for you, Damon, I'd love to hear your response. But for me, a lot of times I needed to just remember that this was just a day. This mm. isn't the last barbecue I'll be to. I'm, I'm not, missing out. I have to play the tape forward and remember the times where I went to a party with the, the intention of connecting and, and really enjoying company and celebrating summer. And I ended up puking in the lake, you know, instead. So remembering this doesn't work for me. Alcohol doesn't work for me. And this is just the day. And may I dare to suggest that if you're in a bad place, you don't go to the party. You know, mm -hmm. you take care of yourself first, you know, having an idea of who you want to be, what you want to accomplish, what is the important part of connecting with family. And but also knowing that if you miss it because you need to protect your sobriety, that's OK, too. Oh, so. So, right, Christina, you know, this has always been my thoughts on it. And I think that, you know, when I'm working with people and they have a lot of trepidation. Mm -hmm. Whether they're gonna, and you could see the anxiety building up. And, you know, this also isn't just Memorial Day. This could be a business meeting. This could be yes. something, right? That is, you know, we were talking on Recovered Life discussions for a while about, about trips, business trips, your yes. first business trip sober. One of the things that I say is that you have to be maybe more of a planner than you were before that you were sober. And, you know, for me, somebody who was kind of footloose and fancy free, <laughs> who didn't really have, you know, wasn't super grounded, uh, you know, I became that way in recovery. And I think that um, it's become kind of part of my personality now. Right. I kind of know what's going on. The reality of the situation is, is we think the family and friends are safe places. But in many times we learn, you know, in recovery that they're not and, yeah. and maybe not in early recovery, not maybe forever right i think this is the other thing too people are all or nothing all or nothing black and white thinkers in recovery rarely is it like that like there are family members that were tough to be around because mm -hmm. they drank right and they yes. also didn't understand that i couldn't drink like they thought i was joking right like i don't know what they thought but i had family and friends that that felt like that and so the thing is, is that it's so important to be able to have discernment mm -hmm. about what is safe and what is not. You know, I did something on uh, for the Recovered Life community on our volley group uh, the other day, which is the daily drink. The thought of the day was know your limits. Yes. Look, you have to be under, and, you know, and I think people, Christina, 
think that if you have long-term sobriety, you have no limits. That's not true. I share all the time that when I go to Vegas, for example, which I do a lot of, you know, I'm an entrepreneur as well as a sober Mm -hmm. coach. So I have businesses, I go to Vegas and stuff like that. And what I found is sometimes when I'm in Las Vegas, nothing against Las Vegas, but sometimes when I'm in Las Vegas in business situations, the whole thing is geared around the cocktail hour, which seems to be every hour, right? (laughs) I have to be much more grounded when I go to Vegas and I have to have a plan and I have rehearsed the plan. Okay, look, if this goes this way, this is what I'm going to say. And this is how I'm going to make my exit. Right. Right. I know I've got to go for a period and maybe have a client or something. I know I've got to go, but I don't have to go for the whole thing. Right. So you have to know your limits and everybody has a limit, no matter how long they've been sober. They do. We all do. And that's touch, you know, getting in touch with your nervous system and paying attention to, you know, am am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired, that halt, you know, really looking through and say, do you have that all taken care of? One of the things that we suggest in our holiday rescue plan is to perhaps eat before. You know, I know that sounds crazy, but set yourself up so that you are, you have everything that you need at that point and you're not just, uh, kind of white knuckling it through. Another another tip is to show up early and to leave early. Yes, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right. You know, and that's the that's the thing is like that's all part of knowing your limits. Look, the reality of the situation is is that if you you have to go out and live your life, right? Yes. And this is the other thing too. There is going to be a point whether you're scared or not. You've got to start going out. And this is where sober companions lead in, right? People who have very high relapse rates, people that don't really, that are honest with themselves. You know, like I've worked with people that said, look, I really just don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. going to be able to stay sober if I go there. And I'm like, well, you know, unless you got to go. And if you got to go, then maybe you need to take a couple sober companions. You need a wingman that can or wing woman that can go with you to make sure that you're going to get out of there sober. And you need a hard in and a hard out to be able to go, right? You do. Um, it, it's important. It's it's important. And, you know, and people, I think, that listen to this that say, well, I, you know, God, what's the big deal, right? Well, they're typically not people who have been through recovery or get long-term recovery, right? Because they get in bad positions that they can't get themselves out of. It is so true. And, and, you know, it is a big deal. And I know that my critical voice inside can sometimes say I'm being dramatic, but we don't know what we'll do if we do take that first drink. We don't know what depths we may have to go to before we stop again. And I hear it all the time. You know, I, I know I probably have another drink in me, but I'm not sure I have another recovery in me. I'm not sure I can go through this. And so it's very important to recognize that alcohol is a drug. It is a dangerous drug and it doesn't need to be part of most people's lives. But in your particular case, you have to be dramatic in your recovery program. You have to think about these things beforehand and protect yourself. Now, Yeah, yeah. That being said, Damon, I am also going to point out to people that there have been many years where having a drink has been the farthest thing from my mind. And so I hope it's I think it's also important to share to somebody who's maybe first uh, year of recovery, their first Memorial Day, is that there will come a time 
you know, that you may not have that obsession. And I'm happy to report there have been many, many years where I had no thought about it, you know, outside Absolutely. of the preparation. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know what, just to, just to leave here, cause I know we always talk about the worst case scenario a lot of the time yes. on the show, because that's the thing that people are the most afraid of. Right. Of but course. the reality is this is like, I got through uh, my event sober you mm -hmm. got through your event sober. And I know many people that are in the recovered life community checked in during this Memorial Day. They're doing just fine. So the fact of the matter is, is that you will be able to get through this. I think yes. the, the, the thing is, is you just have to understand your limits. And you, I think you have to have a little bit of a plan. And I think people resent that, especially people who were active alcoholics because they felt very free, mm. right? when they were drinking, even though they were out of control, they feel that they're in control because they're free. And right. we know now, right? Like after we're sober, we realize that we were trapped. We yes. were free, right? That real freedom has risks and it has all this other kind of stuff. And that's what makes this scary for a lot of people. But there is no shame to be able to hold up the white flag. This is the key that I've learned. Like I've been in bad situations, Christina, that I should not have been in. Right. And this is where coaching really helps because, you know, I know with our clients that we worked on together, sometimes we'll focus just specifically on what they're going to be able to say. Right. To like, oh, come on, you can have one or two. Right. Because it's the unknowing if you've never been through that before, if you've never been put on the spot. And I'm going to tell you flat out, if you're listening to this and you're newly sober, somebody is going to call you out and put you on the spot yes, somewhere in your recovery. What yes. do you mean you don't drink? But and typically those I find are the people who are the alcoholics who are the <laughs> most threatened. They're the active alcohol. Those are the people are the really codependent people. Those are the people who are going to call you out. Oh, I was one of them. I was one of them. And there are many amends that needed to be made and lots of behavior modification. I was the person screaming, come on, you're no fun. And, you know, I have regret about that, but I understand that's part of the disease. And so compassion, yeah. compassion and knowing your value system and knowing how you want the end of the day to look like, which is you staying sober will help. Absolutely. You know what? This has been such a great segment, Christina, because I, I really feel that people need it, even that have long term sobriety. You know, we got a lot of check ins this weekend on volley. You know, and it's people that have long-term sobriety that are checking in because they're doing the deal. That's why they have long-term sobriety, right? You yeah. have to take this seriously. And if you have these internal warning signs, check in with somebody, jump on the recovered life, become a member, jump on the volley group. That's what it's so great for is to be able to have that check-in. You know, Christina, before we go into the next segment here, I want to mention something that a lot of people have been talking about, and that is our recovery breakthrough six-week transformation coaching package. It's so amazing. You know, Christina, Dennis, and I put together this package primarily for people to have really huge transformations over yes. a short period of time, right? It's what it's really about, Christina. If you are newly sober, you're trying to get sober, or maybe you've been sober for decades and you want to take your recovery to the next level, the recovery breakthrough six-week transformation package might be for you. You can find out more about it and how to set up a preliminary call to get to know you call to see if you might be right. All you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. 
Christina Thank Dennis, you. are you ready for the new segment here that we're going to do, which uh, is a little rock and roll? I got to tell yes, you. Yes, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Well, let's jump right in, guys. Um, here is the here here's the thing. We everybody in the news, you know, typically Christina and I, we don't comment on. We do comment mm. every once in a while on celebrity stuff. We don't comment on things that we know, right? We comment on things that are in that the, the public atmosphere. That yes, people have commented on their own recovery, right? And right. everybody knows, and everybody's heard about this Steven Tyler relapse. And uh, we wanted to talk about it because I think it's important, the lessons that we can learn here. And obviously, we're saying this up front, no judgment to Steven Tyler, because I think Christina and I both have long-term sobriety, but we know that it's a gift and that we get it a day at a time and that sure it could do. be taken away, right? So we, we have nothing but compassion here. This is not a judgment on Steven Tyler. But if we can learn from this, we definitely want to do that, right, Christina? Absolutely. And and personally, I applaud him for releasing the statement and for being open about it, because we need to uh, walk through this, walk through the relapse and learn from it. And I if if you know this as well as I do, if my story can help somebody else see that there is a way out and, and a hope, I'm more than happy to share about it. Now, I don't know Stephen whatsoever, but I do know that he was a beacon of sobriety for a very, very long time. He's in a notoriously difficult business to stay sober. You know, the access to drugs and alcohol is rampant. Uh, we just lost, you know, the drummer of the Foo Fighters. I mean, mm -hmm. there's so many stories that show us that this, the statistics are stacked against him or people who are in the music industry. But he was one of the early ones, you know, to talk about his sobriety. Uh, he often talks about that intervention and how it took him a long time to be less angry about the intervention and how much he really loved his sobriety. So absolutely. It's, yeah. And it's, it's an unfortunate situation, but he can learn from it and we can learn from it. Absolutely. I want to roll a little bit of video here that I found from E entertainment that kind of goes about what he said, what happened and how he ended up in this unfortunate position, because I think we can all learn from it. So let me roll this a uh, little short video and then I want to comment after it. Aerosmith frontman Steven Tyler is prioritizing his health following a recent relapse. The band has announced that they will be putting their Las Vegas residency, Deuces Are Wild, on hold temporarily while Steven seeks treatment. They say in a group statement, quote, As many of you know, our beloved brother Steven has worked on his sobriety for many years. After foot surgery to prepare for the stage and the necessity of pain management during the process, he has recently relapsed and voluntarily entered a treatment program to concentrate on his health and recovery. Aerosmith tells fans that they will be canceling their shows in June and July, so Steven can focus on his recovery and well-being. They plan to return to the stage in September. The rockers add, quote, Thank you for your understanding and for your support of Steven during this time. Over the years, Steven has been open about his struggle with substance abuse. He previously revealed that his bandmates and management staged an intervention in 1988 to get him to seek help for his drug addiction. He told Hote Living in 2019, quote, It took me many years to get over the anger of them sending me to rehab while they went on vacation. But today, because of that moment, I am grateful, and I owe a thanks to them for my sobriety. My sobriety cost me nothing less than everything. Mm. Yeah, wow. it's so great. I'm so glad we were able to play that because, you know, um, 
the whole idea of this, and I have to tell you, I, when I saw this, Christina, I, I heard that he had relapsed and I was like, oh man, because he had such, you know, he had long-term sobriety. Right. And I was like saying, oh man, you know, like, I wonder how that happened. And then when it comes out that he's had the surgery, I told you I, the first thing to say, I said, man, he very well could have just been in a 12 step group here in the Valley because right. this is the big thing. Like every guy that I know over 50, like I would say a majority of them, 80%, they relapsed through pain meds that were prescribed by doctors. Yes. Like, literally that's how it started. Right. It didn't start with them picking up, uh, uh, you know, a beer at a barbecue and going from there. It started with some sort of pain management issue. And then they got on the pain meds and then it started a phenomena of craving. And the next thing that they know that they're down this rabbit hole. Right. So this is, I want to say my, my thoughts go out to him because this is so common. Yes. It's, this is not uncommon. It is. And I, I like to think of it as, as it's a, a situation and a system that needs to be changed. And I've read many articles. We've talked about it on the show several times that the medical community needs to know and have a plan, you know, a standard operating procedure of how you dispense pain management pills to your, you know, to a person who has a history of drug abuse. And I don't think, I mean, what I would like to see is that's just commonplace, right? This is the practice. You, if Steven Tyler needed the pain management, I know foot surgery is very painful. I have gone through it myself. I did not have to take pain meds at that time. Um, but there has been other surgeries in which I did. And the standard operating procedure in my life was to hand those prescription pills over to somebody else and mm -hmm. to have them dispense them. Because I know once my brain is in an altered state, it's not going to make the right decisions for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and we thank E! News for that clip, because I think one of the things they did point out, which a lot of the times the you know, the news or the, you know, the whole 24 seven news cycle is always looking for the scandal. Yes. They point out that he had sobriety and was working on his sobriety and then got into this. It wasn't that he just went out and did this. And this is where I think it becomes very clear to people who are around people who are in recovery, why a lot of the times we're so hyper vigilant in yes. everything that we consume what kind of doctors we go to, right? And it seems crazy. And I've had conversations with family members where I said, yes, I know I'm talking with the anesthesiologist yes. that I've been sober for several decades. I know he's looking at me and he's laughing at me. I see it. I'm not, mm -hmm. an, I'm not an idiot, right? But I need to put the point that like, this is what I'm afraid. This is where I have fear. And the fear is not unfounded. I mean, no. Steven Tyler is not the exception here. I can name off I, I probably 10 to 20 people that are in my inner circle of recovery who've been taken out by pain meds because of back issues, surgeries, all that other stuff. It's not uncommon. It isn't. And <clears throat> we as a nation have discovered the danger of overprescribing, right? We've seen it yes. with, with the heroin epidemic and the Oxycontin epidemic. And so it's important 
to continue to move away from the shame of having a substance abuse disorder so that you can talk about it. You know, you wouldn't prescribe uh, penicillin to somebody who's allergic to it. You could find another way, right? You would find another thing to help them. And, and so our doctors, as well as us as a nation, need to say, okay, there needs to be another option or a safer option, or we need to put those safeguards in place so that we can get this person through, mm-hmm. you know, the recovery without losing their recovery. Absolutely. And you know what? And I want to go up front to say, look, Christina and I are not doctors. No. We're not telling people not to take their pain meds if they've been prescribed them. What we're what I'm saying very, very clearly here is, is that there has to be much more discussion. I yes. will say that my personal experience and experience of seeing friends and family, doctors have not a lot of education about recovery. I have been in, I remember I ended up in a new emergency room because I was in a car accident. Somebody hit me and I was fine, but they wanted me to go in to get checked out. Right. And mm-hmm. I had, I was banged up a little bit. And I remember the doctor was like, well, we could prescribe you something. And I remember telling the nurse, it's like, listen, man, I'm in recovery. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand what these drugs are, but I don't want these types of drugs. Right. Yes. And I remember the nurse came up to me and she like closed the curtain and she said, thank you for telling me that. And I'm glad that you're sober and thank you because they don't understand. The doctors mm-hmm. don't understand. Right. Like, they and, don't. and I think what they don't get and the big thing is like people would say, well, Damon, what don't they get? What they don't they understand? This is the proper treatment for giving somebody these kind of meds. What they don't understand is a phenomenon of craving. Yes. They don't understand how powerful that is because the phenomenon of craving, we lose the choice of discernment in most yes. cases. We don't see it, right? And this is the scary thing about this is what traumatizes, I think, a lot of people in long-term sobriety. As you get older, you know you're going to be under the knife for something, right? Of course. I had a big surgery at the beginning of the pandemic. I was, um, I'm just going to be honest with you, I was uh, very nervous because it was the first time that I wasn't under the influence of anything major in like 27 years or so, right? Like, so it was like, it was a big thing for me. It had been a quarter of a century since I was not of my own command, if you will, right? And I was nervous about it. Now the people around me weren't as nervous. Wow. But I understand how tenuous recovery can be. You could be in it one day and you could be out of it the next. Yes. And on your way, I mean, we we did uh, an episode about relapse. We know that relapse starts weeks and months before the actual you know, breaking of sobriety. And it's that vigilance that will keep us alive. I mean, I love the statement of that sobriety has given him everything because he is being really honest. He was a a lead singer of a very popular rock band, um, almost, I mean, I would say an icon in the music Mm -hmm. industry. It wasn't uh, affecting his ability to pay his bills, Right. But the the band around him had the courage to say, we want you around for a long time. And we just don't ever know if we take that drink or that drug, if we're going to make it back. It is that dangerous. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of the times, too, you know, and I could just tell you in 
work in 12 steps that I've done or sober coaching or any of that. And I know you're the same way. Why we take this very seriously with people is that they, they start to get it, that they do the work so that they can get it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we just take it for granted that, you know, uh, well, somebody relapsed and they're going to come back. That's not the case, man. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can tell you, and, and if you're listening to this and you have relapsed, I'm not saying you can't come back. You can, right. You can, but the awareness might not be there for some people. We just think that people automatically, oh, they went out for a couple of weeks, they came back. They went out for right. a year, they came back. Many people do not come back. Many people die from addiction that have been sober long-term, right? So yes. your long-term sobriety does not protect you from this kind of situation of no, the phenomenon of craving. The phenomenon of craving is going to be there, I believe, in my opinion, whether you've been sober a decade, two decades, three decades, it will be there still if you pick up. Well, it certainly will. And it's confusing. I, In my history with my son's situation, I had a lot of anxiety. And um, at that time, there was, um, I, I know it's changed. I've seen it change. But at that time, they, they were handing out Xanax like candy. And when you understand what Xanax does, it actually, you know, it's fast acting, but it actually brings you down lower when it's gone and you have immediate withdrawal symptoms. When you understand how that drug works, you realize how actually hurtful it was, even though it might have made you feel better in the minute. And I wasn't aware of Xanax and was taking it on occasion. And I can tell you there was a time there where I wasn't aware if I was taking it as prescribed or not prescribed. And that was scary enough for mm-hmm. me to hand them over to my husband and to lock them up and say, I go in and get help from a psychiatrist and say, this is not okay for me. This hurts exactly. me. Exactly. You need to help me I find mean, another way. This is so, this is so, and you know, and I have looked doctors in the face and say, okay, this prescribing this for me, this is not addictive. Right. And Mm -hmm. then gotten home and then did some research and not taken them and gotten home and did some research and go, I'm not taking this. Yeah. This is totally the opposite. But for him, it wasn't that he was lying to me. It wasn't that he was trying to trick me. He didn't want to hurt me, but he just did not understand the difference between something that's addictive and something that's not addictive. And a lot of times I hear that doctors will say, well, everything's addictive. Coca-Cola is addictive. If you, if you, if you have the mindset for it, yes, that's true. But the thing is, is that Coca-Cola doesn't kick off the phenomenon of craving. That's that, that's, that's different, right? So Mm -hmm. look, we wish Steven Tyler the best. We really do. And, you know, I, I don't look at this as a failure in any way. I look at this as a learning opportunity and his, his celebrity, Christina can really bring awareness to, uh, you know, what could actually happen in this situation. I think it's super important and we can learn from this. It can be a wonderful, positive lesson. And I just am, I mean, I just applaud him for recognizing that it was an issue, for being so honest and for entering a treatment and focusing on his health. Absolutely. This has been an amazing episode of The Recovered Life Show. I want to wish everybody a very happy Memorial Day. 
Yes. Um, it's gonna. I hope you guys have a lot of fun. You have a great, safe, and sober and happy Memorial Day. Have some fun. Go out there and have some fun because that is what life is all about, right, Christina? We it didn't is. get sober to be miserable. No, we didn't. And it can be a lot of fun. Just be safe. All right, guys. Uh, join us on Recovered Life Discussions. That happens Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. on Clubhouse. You can find out all about it by going to recoveredlife.us. Become a member. Get the notifications. Join the membership, guys. It's yes. free. takes less than a minute, and you're going you're gonna to be glad that you did. All right, Christina. Episode on Monday, May 30th, 2022, in the can. All right. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.